Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, your problems are not that big of a deal. Okay, maybe that sounds bad. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, your problems are not that big of a deal to Jesus. That one might actually sound worse. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, your problems are not that big of a deal because you have a Savior that is able to make quick and easy work of even your most insurmountable problems. That one works a little bit better. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Just just so we're clear, when it says, when Jesus heard what happened, this is a reference to what just happened in the previous verses. Namely, that his friend, his forerunner, John the Baptist, had just been gruesomely beheaded, executed, and his disciples were forced to bury the body. And then Jesus' disciples, and, and Jesus hears about this, about what had just happened that his friend had died, and Jesus, he just wanted some alone time. He just wanted to be able to go off in a, with a little bit of solitude and, and go through the process of grieving and say a prayer to his Father in heaven and, and maybe shed a few tears, and so he gets into a boat and he tries to find a, a, a place of solitude, and the people from the land see him, and they track him, and they know exactly where he's going. And because of his, his all-consuming popularity, word spreads throughout the town. And these people start booking it to the place where they know Jesus is going to be. And they track him down, and they find him so that when Jesus steps out of the boat, hoping to just have a few minutes to himself, just a few minutes of prayer, all, all to himself, he takes one step out of the boat, looks up, and there are thousands of people in front of him all with unique needs, sickness, poverty, just being spiritually lost. He looks out and he sees these people that have these these great, great needs. And in this moment, Jesus himself decides that he is going to put his own need for privacy and grief aside. And he's going to focus on the needs of the people. There we see the compassion of a Savior who doesn't just care about the spiritual welfare of his people, but he cares about his people in their entirety. But then as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They responded. Did the disciples not care? Did they see the problems of the people and go, you know what, that's more of a them problem problem and less of an us problem? Did they doubt that Jesus was able to take care of them and so they just said, you know what, Jesus, here's the solution. You get all of these people that are just trying to cling to you, all of these parasites away from you so that they don't also take all of the food 
Were they being self-interested and sending the people away and saying, we don't have anything for you. You need to go take care of yourself. Maybe. Or maybe it went something a little more like this. The disciples look around. They see that it's getting late. They know that maybe the road back to the town is treacherous and long and they've got these families that are here and it's getting dark and and maybe it's even getting dangerous. And they look around and they go, we need to do something for these people. We need to to show compassion to them in some way. And the only way that they could think of in, in their puny little worlds and with their own abilities, the only way they could think of showing compassion is to send them away and say, you need to help yourselves because we can't help you anymore. Perhaps they just didn't want to treat Jesus like a a vending machine, a blessing vending machine where they go up to Jesus, kind of knock on his forehead and go, hey, we need food for 5,000. Can you just sort of, can you just sort of make that happen? No, maybe they were showing Jesus respect and maybe they were being humble in saying, we don't have the ability to solve this problem. Lord Jesus, here's the problem. I think it's a little more likely that that they weren't being selfish or self-interested, but instead they were able to recognize a problem, recognize their inability to solve a problem, and just bring that problem to Jesus with arms wide open. Bring them here to me, Jesus said, about the fish and the loaves. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking five loaves and two fish, And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. It's around this point that I'm sure the disciples started to realize that something pretty wild was about to happen. They realized that Jesus was asking them to do something absurd, but maybe this wasn't the first time Jesus had asked them to do something absurd, so they were ready to brace themselves for whatever came next. And sure enough, Jesus pulls off a miracle that would go down in history as one of his most famous miracles he ever did, as recorded in scripture. Jesus really has three reasons for doing miracles over the course of his ministry, and and sometimes certain reasons are, are highlighted more than other reasons. First, one of the reasons that he does miracles in his ministry is he wants to draw attention to himself. So that people could listen to the words that he has to say as he calls himself one with the Father, as as he proclaims himself to be God. He wanted people to be able to look at him and be able to see acts that could only come from God. He, He produces miracles so that the people would know that he is who he says he is. The second reason Jesus does miracles is to show supremacy over the challenges, the tribulations, the diseases, and yes, death that all human beings encounter. He does that so that all of his followers, and yes, even us today, can look around and go, yes, this this is our Lord and Savior who is not stumped by any mere human earthly issue. And the final reason Jesus does miracles, the one that's probably most highlighted in our verses for today, it's that compassion ministry. As he looks at people as in their entirety and says, you have spiritual problems, yes, but you also have physical problems. And even if it is a temporary fix, even if it is only an alleviation to the problem for a day or a week or a month or a year, I still want to give that to you. 
I still want to show you that compassion so that you know how dearly loved you are by me and by your Father in heaven. That's, that's sort of the, the angle that Jesus seems to be approaching here and he tells the disciples, you know what, you are looking at, at five loaves and two fish and with those things you are able to do absolutely nothing. We've got so many people here, that's not even give everybody a bite. And so he says, you've got a problem. Bring it to me. And even Jesus, being true God, having submitted himself to the will of the Father, takes the time to look up to heaven and to say thank you. What an awesome message and lesson that is to us who, who have a way of sometimes forgetting to say thank you to God for all of the, the wonderful blessings that he gives to us in life. Jesus himself, being God, still took the time to raise his voice and say a blessing, say thank you for the blessing that he had received from his Father in heaven. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. I'm sure many of you have been involved in planning a wedding in some capacity. Maybe you planned a wedding of 50, 100, 200. I even went to a wedding while I was in college that had 400 people at it. I just heard the, uh, yeah. It was, it was unbelievable. And I could only imagine the amount of stress that went into making sure, double check, triple check, quadruple checking the numbers to make sure that you were actually going to have enough food in the buffet line to make sure that these 400 people were going to be able to eat. Truckloads and truckloads of food had to have been hauled in so that 400 people were able to eat. We are talking about 5,000 men, but, but did you notice that it says besides women and children? Let's assume that all of these gentlemen had a wife, or at least let's say maybe half of them did, and that many of them might have had a kid, or two, or four, or six. I think we are able to say we are probably looking at at least 10,000 people in front of Jesus, 25 times bigger than that massive wedding that I went to in college. Maybe, maybe the, the hairs on the back of your neck are, are raised up just thinking about planning a meal for that many people. You're worried about, are you going to have enough? Is this going to satisfy everyone? Or is somebody going to have to go to McDonald's afterwards because they got left out of the buffet line? Twelve basketfuls of broken pieces. Leftovers aplenty. There were more leftovers than there was food started with. That is how Jesus shows off his almighty power. And he says, you see this as a huge problem, an insurmountable problem in your life, disciples. It is nothing. Brothers and sisters, every, every single week, I talk to you about how the Lord Jesus fulfills your spiritual needs. Every single week I'm talking about some spiritual need that, that, that God has fulfilled in our lives. But today I want us to make sure not to, not to just skip to the spiritual needs, although we know that there are, there are definitely those being filled here in our text. I don't want to skip past 
Jesus as he fulfills the physical needs of his people. As he fulfills the physical needs of you. I know you all have problems. Some of you have even, have even brought your problems to me. I've heard your problems and your pleas before God. I have my problems and my pleas before God. But I sometimes wonder if I, I find myself not trusting that God can deliver. We sort of go to one extreme or to the other. We either say my problem is so small that God's got no time for it. Or this problem is so big that it's not even worth bringing to God because he's not going to be able to make anything happen on it. And so we kind of take on these problems in isolation and, and maybe we'll say a prayer uh, after we've kind of exhausted all of our other options for how to address the problems that are going on in our lives. But that's sort of a last resort. God calls us to do exactly what Jesus says in our reading. Bring them to me. You had a big problem. I had a big problem. We were lost and condemned creatures of sin. Ones who were destined to be entrapped, engulfed, completely overtaken by this sin and this life of death from now and into eternity. And Jesus said, you know what? I know that that seems like a big, insurmountable problem, but not for me. And that tidal wave of grace that is found at the cross as Jesus makes a sacrifice for us squishes that problem outright. And says that although you might still feel guilt and although you might still feel shame in your life, you no longer have to deal with the eternal problem of sin. Because all of those eternal consequences have been taken away. Jesus accomplished that for you on the cross. And now we think financial burdens are too difficult for him to overcome. Now we think health scares are, are too difficult for Jesus to overcome. Now, now we think loneliness or fear and anxiety are, are too big of obstacles for Jesus to overcome. Absolutely not. The same way that Jesus said, bring me your sins, he says, bring me your problems, bring me those financial burdens, bring me those fears and anxieties about the future, bring me your loneliness, bring me your concern, bring me every single problem that you have ever had and see how you are completely, completely inadequate in solving that problem by yourself and then watch how I am able to take that problem on me. And make your problems my problems. I had a, uh, a boss when I was going through the seminary. Uh, in the summers, I would work on my old high school campus on the grounds crew. I don't know if you could imagine that, but I was working on the grounds crew. And we were supposed to do the odds and ends jobs of the, of the high school campus there. We would rip up the floors. Uh, we would replant some grass seed on the football field. We would, we would move things around. We just kind of were, were odds and ends people to, to do whatever needed to be done that day. And often it would happen that we would show up that morning and he would hand us a, a big gator full of tools and he would say, this is what you're supposed to do, now go do it. And we would show up and we would look around and we'd take a run at it with the tools and we would do that for about a half an hour 
and then he would come out and he would check on us and he would, he would see how, <laughs> how we were mishandling the equipment and how we weren't making any headway on the assignment that he had given for us to do. To do. And he would just sit there and he'd pull up in his gator and he'd smile for about five minutes and he'd watch us just struggle, struggle with some of the equipment. And then he would look at us and go, you done? Are you done? Brothers and sisters, are you done? Taking on those financial burdens all by yourself and saying, it is all on me. Are you done? Are you done taking on those financial burdens without even, without even saying a prayer of, of request or a prayer of thanksgiving before the Lord God who gives us everything? Are you done dealing with those thoughts of loneliness without even consulting the God who says, surely I'm with you always till the very end of the age? Are you done dealing with the anxieties and the fears of this life without turning to the Lord who says, fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. Are you done dealing with the problems of this life by yourself? Then bring them to Jesus the same way that in the most inadequate way the disciples brought their problem to Jesus. And just watch him blow your mind in his answer to your prayer. Please know, brothers and sisters, I am not preaching some type of prosperity gospel here. I am not saying that if you have a financial issue, you are going to be able to take it to Jesus, and then Jesus is going to make sure that you win the $1.55 billion Mega Millions lottery that will be drawn this week. I don't know how God is going to answer your prayers. I don't know how he is going to deal with your troubles or with your concerns. I have no idea, no idea what blessing he has in store for you. But I know that he promises to continue to be with you. He promises to hear your, your, your prayers of request. And he promises that he cares about you as he cares about any one of his children here on earth. If you have a child yourself, I'm sure you can, you can, sort, of, you can sort of get that feeling. That God himself wants nothing but the best for you and that he is going to determine what the best thing for you to have is. And my goodness, is that freeing. When instead of bringing God our laundry list of things that we want and saying, God, you got to do this, 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 and this for me, we can just say, Lord, I got some problems. Your will be done. That's our prayer. That's the prayer that we bring to this Jesus. Our theme for this morning is the Christian trust. God to provide. Certainly, certainly there is a financial component to that theme. So I'll ask you, Peace, are you worried about a recession? Do you see the gas prices go tick, 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 and eventually you go, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to afford that. Are you concerned about housing prices? Are you concerned about your investments, about your retirement? Are you concerned about, about the long-term future of your financial health? Because there could come a day. 
there could come a day when the stocks fall, when a recession hits, when I drive by my favorite Circle K and I stop in for a coffee and look up and gas is $8.25 a gallon. That day could come. But in that day, you will still have a Jesus who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ask. You will still have a Jesus who is able to turn a snack into the largest feast that has ever been produced on planet Earth. You will still have a Jesus that cares about every single hair that rests atop your head. How do I know that? Because that's what Jesus has been doing for you since the day you were born. It's what he's done for you up until right now. And it's what he's going to do for you until the day you meet him. So trust him. In every situation, physically, spiritually, trust him. Because he provides all good things. Amen.